We've been studying Jesus uh, all month long, and I want you to grab your Bible this morning. You can open up to Luke chapter one, uh, is where we are today. And uh, it's a study in the character and the nature of Jesus. Traditionally, it's called a Christology. It means the study of Christ. And it's not just like his life and ministry and teaching, which is usually what we're preaching around here all the time. We're trying to get to know the essence of who he is. It's much more of a reflective kind of time where we're pondering, we're wondering, we're kind of in awe and worship and marveling at who Jesus is. And much of our preaching around here is very practical and pragmatic, how to live God's life and how to help your family and be married and all these things, right? This is not so much of that. This is us just putting our focus and our attention on Jesus. It's Christmas. And it's a chance for us just to honor him, to behold him, to look to him with all our hearts and our minds. We've studied his humanity. We've studied his deity. Last week, we studied his love. Today, we want to unpack his power. And I believe that God's gonna speak. But I want you to just close your eyes with me for a moment and uh, just take a deep breath in. Just breathe in. The presence, his love, his mercy. It's new every morning. Breathe out any anxiety any fear, anything that's holding your heart and your mind captive, just lay it all before him. Lord, we do, we just breathe in your presence, your love, God, your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here, that you are with us in these moments, God. We just breathe out, Lord, anything that's got our minds anxious or worried, cluttered, God. We just, we just silence all fears We just lay all of that before you, Lord, and we just trust you to be here with us now, revealing yourself in a powerful way, God. Speak to us, make yourself known, God. May we experience you and know you in a more deep, understanding way, God. We're trusting you to, to reveal yourself in this time, Lord. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is so much fun. There's so much um, magic about Christmas. And I use the word magic on purpose because it's really kind of like, uh, kind of a feeling, isn't it, Christmas? They call it the Christmas spirit. Maybe it's the spirit of giving or, you know, the gifts and the, the excitement. It's the lights. It's the, you know, the, the tree at the Davenport Grand, you know, like it's all the thanks. My wife and I were chatting about it this week quite a bit, like just the idea of like giving gifts and those magical moments of opening the presents in the morning and or maybe your tradition is Christmas Eve night late there's always kind of like these great gifts. And many times we were, we were chatting about it. You don't actually remember much of the gifts, many of the gifts that you got growing up. I don't know if you remember. I remember some of the bad gifts I got, but maybe not like the ones that were like really awesome. But I do remember the feeling, don't you? You remember like the, the, the feeling of family or the memories or the, the, the sense of warmth and comfort and safety. Maybe some of your Christmases weren't that at all. And there's, there's fear or there's, you know, kind of anxiousness around it all, and I understand that, but I think the, the, the thing that I'm pointing at is there's kind of a feeling about it all. My family and I, we went out to a, a restaurant last night, and it's probably one of the best restaurants in Spokane when it comes to just creating a, a feeling, a vibe when you, when you go there. The food is good, but it's like the whole thing, it's an experience, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's something about it. We, uh, I was reading about uh, one of the best restaurants in the world. The, um, the owner 
um, after Christmas had remembered that feeling of opening presents. And he's like, you know, my, I want my customers. It's all about his clients experiencing this restaurant in a real way. He's like, I want them to experience that whenever they come to my restaurant, that feeling. And so he hired like six extra people just to spend hours as they were prepping dinner for that night, wrapping all the appetizers, all the hors d'oeuvres in little tiny gift boxes. It was like a bite at a time. And, and you would show up and you would get seated at your table and you actually would have a pile of gifts, wrapped gifts in the middle of your table. And you're unwrapping them and eating them. Like, is this not the greatest feeling in the world, right? Like, what's in this box? Oh, it's gonna taste so good. Like, this is, they, like, the guy nailed it. No wonder he's like best restaurant in the world, right? Uh, like, that feeling. When we come to, come to talk about the power of Jesus today, it is kind of that. It's a sense. It's an uh, emotion, yeah, but it's also this, this awareness of his power. It's not just something you mentally kind of ascend to, oh, Jesus is powerful. That's cool. But it's actually something that has to kind of move inside you and move the way you make decisions in the way you pray and the way that you uh, experience life. For this power of Jesus to be real for us, it has to, has to impact us in a way that's more than just understanding. And so I come to this Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 with that, that sense about today's conversation because I know that our religion and our Christianity for many of us has been very practical. It's do's and don'ts. It's how-to's and how-not-to's. I think those are okay, but if we're not careful, we find our Christianity limited to what we do and what we don't do. And if we're not careful, the power of Jesus is not actually relevant in our lives whatsoever. We found ourselves maybe completely self-reliant and self-sufficient and and doing our part, and, and I acknowledge this tension because you do have a part, I have a part to play. Like you had to get up, you had to brush your own teeth this morning, congratulations, right? Like we, we want to have good habits, make good choices. We want to, to treat people well. We want to do the things Jesus asks us to do. And we wanna stop doing the things he asks us to stop doing. That is our part. But if we're not careful, we totally miss the fact that God the creator of the universe has his part that he wants to play in our lives. That he has power demonstrated through Jesus and, and that power is accessible to you and I. That we're not just over here making up the best life that we can make up in our own power and in strength, but that the God of the universe actually wants to empower us for his purposes and for his will and for the life that he has called us to live. That is a miracle. The whole Christmas story is a miracle. Luke chapter one, I'm gonna read it out of the message. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel, this is the angel, greeted her. Good morning. You're, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken. That's the feeling, right? 
Like you are in the presence of, of a supernatural being here. This is crazy. Wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Surprise. You're going to be pregnant, right? Surprise. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Listen to the power right here. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, very practical question, but how? I've never slept with a man. Right? How is this going to be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called holy, set apart, different, not like every other human baby. No, the son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren. What a miracle. And here she is six months pregnant. Amen? Like what a miracle. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let, me, let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Christmas is a miracle. The power of God in, in this little baby named Jesus. The arrival of Jesus, a display of power. The fact that the Spirit of God can make this virgin pregnant, can conceive of this little child, is an absolute miracle. Mary's question is, is human understanding and lack of uh, understanding of how big and how powerful God is, how could this be? It's not a rebellious question. It's a genuine curiosity because all I've known is this life that makes sense when I do my part and I do what I'm supposed to do and stop doing what I shouldn't be doing. And it's like God is showing up through Jesus and he's starting to change the equation, if you know what I'm saying. He's starting to bring about this supernatural essence to the human experience. That there would be a feeling and a, a reality of like the power of God actually alive in your life. That you are not just operating on your own understanding and your own abilities and your own will, right? But that actually God is showing up and like, this is Jesus' story. This is the essence of who he is, is power. I want you to just reflect on this for a moment with me. Jesus' life was a life of miracles. I mean, he made a blind man who was blind from birth, he gave him sight. It wasn't like something that was broken he put back. It never was. And he made it happen. That's a miracle, right? I mean, I mean he, he walked on water. Not only that, he got Peter out of the boat and Peter walked on water. That was definitely not Peter's power, right? That was Jesus saying, come on. Miracle after miracle, feeding 5,000 people with just a small lunch. Displays of his power. Over and over, it's like he's helping people to comprehend that what he promises that he will do, he has the power to accomplish. Every one of his demonstrations is a proof. It's a sign displaying that I have the power to accomplish what I intend to accomplish. These aren't empty promises. These aren't just kind of like a nice kind of saying or a word or just a, you know, like a, an election speech to get you to vote for me. This is the real deal. I have the power to accomplish what I say I will accomplish. 
Jesus' power. Again, just settle your heart on this for a moment. Jesus' power is unlimited. Theologians call him omnipotent. <laughs> That's a big word, right? All-powerful. He's not lacking. He's not small. He's not anxious or worried. He's not uncertain. He's not surprised by difficulties and hardship. He's not overwhelmed by how our world is or how our country is. He's not concerned about the things that are concerning us. Our troubles do not catch him in a place where he's anxious. He is unlimited in his power. And I think it's hard for us to go there in our hearts and our minds. That's, that's why I talk about this as kind of more of a, this feeling or this sense of God, God's power alive in Jesus because it takes us really honestly reflecting for a second and going, wow, God, I want to I wanna know your power. Know. That word know is deceiving, right? It's more like experience, feel, understand your power in a way that actually changes my life and the way I live and the way I make decisions and the way I interact with people. I mean, how does that make you feel to know that Jesus is all-powerful? He has, he has all authority, all dominion. Nothing is too big for him. With, with man, it's impossible. But for God, nothing is impossible, right? Like that, that should just stir something inside you. Maybe a, a sense of hunger, passion, desire to go. I, I, I don't want to just live a kind of a, a to-do list called Christianity, I actually want to experience that power, Jesus, in my life. The power to forgive, the power to keep loving, the power to keep serving, the power to, to, to lay my priorities down, the power to overlook offenses, the power to, to put up with um, hard things in my life, the power to endure, the power to not give up. Like, I want to experience that, Jesus. The power to overcome sin and temptation, right? Like, I don't want to just give in because it's too hard. I need your power. Like, that's, that's, that's changing. That's life-changing for us. Ephesians 1, Grayson read it earlier. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Listen to what he's praying. That your heart that the eyes of your heart, not just like mentally, but like the deep part of your soul, your heart would be open, illuminated, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for who? Us who believe, right? It's actually yours if you believe. It's like access. Faith becomes that access point where you can actually access the power of God in your life and not just know about it or hear about it or read about it in scripture, but actually begin to access God's power at work inside you, helping you to become the man or the woman that he made you to be. It's transforming, it's healing, it's, it's, it's overcoming bitterness and addiction and brokenness of your past. I mean, the power of God is available for us who believe. So that's what I want to talk about today. <clears throat> Sorry, I, 
I don't know what it is inside my head here in my throat, but we're going to keep going, okay? It's going to be good. I, God, I need your power right now. <laughs> uh, many of us, I think, know and understand that Jesus has power, but I think very few of us access his power in our lives. That's what I want to talk about. Is how do we access his power? And I think when you do access his power, you experience um, changes in your soul. Like Paul says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And I, I, that's what I'm excited for, is that we as a church would um, actually expect and experience God in miraculous ways in our life. I mean, how many of you in the room would just say, I've, I've experienced a miracle before? You'd put your hands in there. Look, I want you to keep your hands up. I want you to look around. Look at this. That means we're a church that believes God does miracles in our midst, right? Like, he actually, like, can heal. He can actually change lives. Like, you should be encouraged when you look around this room. There's some serious faith in this room, amen? That means there's some people that have experienced God in real ways. If you've never, if you, maybe you can't put your hand up, you're sitting close to people that have experienced and expect God to work in powerful, miraculous, supernatural ways. That means not natural not in our human effort and ability, but in supernatural ways where God's power is clearly on display. Jesus, we want to know your power. We want to access it. When you access his power, he brings about, number one, salvation in your soul. That's one of the very first things that we're always preaching about around here is when you access the power of God, it is only by Jesus' power that you are able to be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The power of Jesus is the only power that can save you from your sin and make you right with God. It is only by the grace and the goodness of Jesus that you can stand right before God at judgment day. It is not going to ever be any human effort, striving or straining that will make you right with God. 100%. We are a dependent people on the power of Jesus to make us right before God. The good news is that he came, right? And that his power is available for us to be saved. That's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for those who believe, right? It is the power of God. This good news of Jesus Christ is that you can be saved. That's why baptisms are so important to us. Uh, we were checking it out. 101 people have been baptized this year at Real Life. Is that not, that's amazing to me, right? 101 people this year. And when I think about that, every one of those people are experiencing the supernatural work where, where they're going down into the water and it's like their old life is being buried in the grave with Jesus when he went down into the grave. And when you come up out of that water, it's like you're being raised to walk in this new life now where you have the power of God saving you and setting you apart for his purposes. What a miracle. That's why we put our hands together when we say 101 people have been baptized into Jesus Christ, right? Because it is clear that the power of God is here in our midst, saving people's souls. That's why we are here as a church is to see this city changed by the salvation of Jesus Christ. It is through his power and his power alone. When you access his, his power, you're saved. That's why we're calling people to repentance a recognition of I don't have what it takes to save myself. 
Oh, I can put together a pretty good life. Oh, thanks. I could, I could put together a pretty good life in my own effort and my own ability. I can, I can, you know, quit some bad stuff and do some really good stuff, but still none of it makes me perfect. None of it gets me to the place where I actually measured up to God's standard. It is only by Jesus' power and his grace that I have the ability to be saved. What a miracle. What a miracle. The other thing that... Um, Jesus brings about in your soul when you access his power is security. And I love this. Security is the word you want to write down there. Because so much of our lives are spent searching for security, comfort, rest, peace. You could say it lots of different ways. But it's this idea that I'm okay. I'm enough. I'm fulfilled. I'm, I'm, um, I'm loved. I'm accepted. I don't have to prove something. I'm seen, I'm known, and, and I'm okay. This idea of security. The trouble is that many of our lives are built around trying to find that security in lots of different places. Financial security or relationship security or success at work and credentials and the right um, kind of life. that Christmas always stirs this up in us, Right? It's like what we don't have and who we don't have anymore and all the lack of security kind of just gets bubbled to the surface. And that's challenging for us. I think about the Old Testament and how many times the prophets God uses. He speaks to his people through these prophets and he's, they're always kind of calling God's people out, going, hey, you guys have built these idols. He called it idolatry, where they would literally grab a hunk of wood that they found on the ground and carve it into an image and then they would worship it. And he's like, what are you doing? You found that at the beach <laughs> and you put a face on it and now you're like sacrificing to it? Like it has zero power. You've made it and now you're worshiping it? And this is what we do all the time. We make a life and then we worship it. We make an image of what we think this is supposed to be and we bow down to it and we go after it and we spend all our time and all our money and all our energy on it and it's an idol. And you could just sense God going, it has no power. It will not bring you security. It will not tell you you're okay. It will always ask you for more. It will always demand more of your heart and your soul. It will never satisfy and for us to, to be impacted by the power of Jesus is to find security. I love, I love Psalm 33, 11, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. His heart, his purpose is of his heart through all generations. God has plans and purposes that are never gonna be thwarted. And he wants you to be a part of them. I love Ephesians 2, that you are his masterpiece, that he created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you could do the good works that he planned long ago for you to do. He has purpose plans that will never be thwarted, that will never be taken apart, that will never be undermined. God has purpose and plans and a will that you can be a part of. There is nothing more secure to know that you are a part of the God of the universe's 
plans, right? And that he has his eyes on you and that you are favored by him and he is opening doors ahead of you and anointing you for the work that he's called you to and making it possible for you to become the man, the woman that he's made you to be. You don't gotta strain and strive and look for security in those places. God has it for you. Man, what a gift that Jesus' power brings us is the security. Matthew 19, 26, his disciples are like, Jesus, how can anybody be saved? How is any of this possible? And, and Jesus says, with man, it is impossible, guys. You don't got what it takes, but with God, all things are possible. Nothing more secure than that, knowing that the God of the universe has what it takes. He has the power. He has the capacity. He has the ability the plans that he has for you are good plans. The purpose that he has are purposes to save and to love and to heal and to restore. And he is constantly inviting his disciples to come be a part of this plan. Sure, we could spend our lives building these images and these idols and trying to make them satisfy our souls, but we will find ourselves back at the end of ourselves again, desperately searching for security when Jesus showed up on the planet at this little baby with all the power of God inside him. What a miracle. With this invitation for you and I to stop living our own lives and making up our own existences and now learning to live into the purpose of God and experiencing the security that is only found in him. There's never gonna be a relationship there's never gonna be a success. There's never gonna be an amount of money. Nothing will satisfy like Jesus. Nothing will satisfy your heart like him. And so for us just to go, oh God, I need your power bringing security to the soul of mine. The third thing that Jesus' power brings to your soul is strength. This is probably the most common conversation around the power of Jesus. Because we all have weaknesses in our lives, right? We all got shortcomings. We've got temptations. We've got sins. We've got brokenness in our past. We've got hurts. Some of us have been wronged so badly and severely that like, we still just can't forget. We can't overcome this bitterness toward these people. We find ourselves needing healing. We have sickness. We have pain. We have suffering. And see, the power of Jesus brings strength to the soul who has the ability to access his power, who has put their faith in his power. And you know, I think weakness is an invitation from God. Many of us hate weakness. I know I do. I, I can't stand my own weakness, especially when it feels like it's the same weakness over and over again, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do I keep being such an idiot all the time? But I think it's an invitation from God to say, yeah, I think I told you, you don't have what it takes. But if you would seek me and my power, I'm going to give you something that you don't have. I'm going to give you the power to overcome. I'm going to give you the power to keep serving and keep loving and, and keep forgiving. And I'm going to heal that wound in your heart that no person can heal. I'm gonna help you overcome that wounding from your past, that brokenness that you've experienced. I'm going to empower you in a way that's supernatural. See, what this stirs in me is a prayer, right? God, I want that power. 
Jesus, I need your power alive in my life. I, I want to be healed. I want, I, want, I want people in my life that need a miracle to experience you, God, in a miraculous way, right? That, that he would actually show up in a way that brings healing and restoration to that marriage and strength to our parenting and understanding to our, our young people and wisdom to those that are foolish, right? God, would your, would your power show up in a way that's actually strengthening us for this life, to keep enduring, to not give up. Like, Jesus, we need that strength in our life. Jesus says to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's that place when we're confronted with our weakness that that invitation actually comes. Look at Paul. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may actually rest on me. See, boasting about our weakness is really that prayer. God, I don't have what it takes, so I'm asking you to show up in a miraculous way. It's not us going around bragging, look how messed up I am. No, no, no. It's us desperately going to Jesus, going, I need you to show up in a powerful way that your power may rest on me, God. Change me, shape me, heal me, God. First Corinthians 10 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. I love this. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, listen, he will provide, this is his power, he will provide a way out so that you can endure. That's his power. And I just think about this strength that he brings to our souls, and I just go, God, this... This is what we need. This is what we long for is the strength to actually take the steps that you call us to take. See, when you begin to unpack Jesus, right, and not just be like, oh, I believe in Jesus, but actually like, oh, like all powerful. Give me the power to be healed and transformed and bring this security to my soul and transform this life. Like, like see, you, you can be massively, radically changed when you are spending time just kind of looking at Jesus and who he is and the power that he brings to our lives. Like, this is why Christmas is so good for us. It's because it forces us to really look at Jesus and look at his essence and his nature and his character and just go, God, we need this power inside of us. One last verse passage I want to share with you is Isaiah 40. Because I think it captures this conversation so well. The prophet says to God's people, he says, do you not know or have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Speaking of his power, he's the creator of everything. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, grow tired and weary. <laughs> and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord. That's us just saying, Lord, I need your power. Jesus, I need to know your power, experience your power, encounter your power, actually be changed by your power. 
I'm not content to just know about you and just have a religion that's dependent on myself, God. I actually want you to show up in miraculous ways in my life, in this church, in this city, right? That we would be a people that see his healing and see his life-changing work in our midst, that we would not settle for just a casualness about our Christianity, but an absolute desperation for the power of Jesus to be alive in our hearts and in our midst. Stir an affection in us, God, for your power to be alive. A hunger for you to, to be in our lives in a, in a powerful way, not just going through motions, God. We want to know you and see you and experience you in this kind of a way. Jesus came not only to make salvation possible, but bring you strength, bring you a security by his power. I just think, man, what a, what a people we become when the power of Jesus is real in our lives. What a church we become. What a family you become. What happens in our schools, in our workplaces, when the power of Jesus is actually there? Make so much of ourselves and so little of Jesus so often. It's just so good just to kind of sit in his presence, just reflecting on his power. Just allow our hearts to be captured by this essence of who he really is. Not just go another day with another bit of motions. And God, I was reading this morning in scripture, Peter says, man, if, if you're one who, who speaks, I want you to speak like it's an actual oracle of God. When, he's, when I read that this morning, I was like, yeah, that's what I, is that how I preach or is it, am I just going through motions and just doing what a pastor's supposed to do? Am I like accessing the power of God in these kinds of moments that Jesus, you would be here moving in people's lives and it's actually changing people's hearts. I don't wanna just do religion where we're just doing motions. Like we are here to see a city change. We are here to see lives radically transformed. God, forgive us for just getting caught up in motion. We want to know you. Experience you, God. May your power be real in our lives and our hearts. Our team is getting us ready for communion. If you are a part of that team, would you head to the back and get the elements right now? And they're going to bring these down.